Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Granny's a, Granny's like Scarface. They're like, hey, Scarface, <laughs> make me some cookies, you big cokehead. Mm-hmm. Why did they turn on her because of her addiction? Because they are straight edge. Mm-hmm. 80% of my view of a restaurant is the lighting. 80%? Yes. That food was garbage, but God, those Edison bulbs. Mm-hmm. My grade 12 teacher had a sign at the playoff game that said, Believe in the D. Mm-hmm. I got to shout out my buddy, uh, Graham Maysmith. He's a big fan of you guys. Well, tell him thanks. Tell him to go f*** himself. Mm-hmm. Peen and urine have nothing to do with one another. I love this ass. <laughs> You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Presented by our good friends at Coors Light. I just cracked a silver bullet. You know, yes. That's that. I never realized until uh, just listening to that right there, the the silver bullet that cracks open in the intro. Oh, it sounds delicious. Oh, why don't you have one right now? We don't have any here right now. Why not? We got a fridge. It's got nothing in it. You're not supposed to say that. Oh, I mean, it's full of ice cold. Crammed full of cold filtered. Filtered gold. Brewed gold. Packaged gold. It always seemed impractical to me that they did that. That's what's amazing about the Coors Light people. Like, It's not a practical thing to package your product when it's freezing cold. And you're like, Jesus could it just be room temperature? But that's the lengths that the Molson Coors people go to make sure that you get the world's most refreshing beer. Coors and if Light. a Coors Light drops down to room temperature, it explodes. Because oh, yeah. You don't want no, that. It actually implodes in your hand. Implodes. It implodes. And then you're like, oh, what happened? And then you have to go to the fridge and get a properly chilled Coors Light. Thanks to Coors for sponsoring the pod. We do have Coors Lights that are cold. They're in our office, but... There's never really a good time to crack an ice cold beer at work. Well, we because d- some people might quote unquote frown upon. Yeah, them. yeah, about us drinking on the job, so to speak. Now we did crack a couple open. I think we talked about it when we did a corporate a Coors corporate video yeah. a couple of weeks ago because that seemed appropriate. She drinks at lunchtime. How about we pull the wool over producer Tim's eyes and say, yeah, another corporate video. Mm-hmm. We got a tape. Got to shoot another one. I didn't, I didn't get the memo. I didn't, get, <laughs> I didn't get the memo above that. I was saying to Christoph, our producer, probably one of the most talented people to ever work for Bell Media. I said to Christoph, time. I said, uh, I walked in tonight, Toolsy. We walk into, uh, we've got our own sort of office area for Sports Center with Jane Dan. We're away from the regular sports. It was a full house in that office time. Yeah, everybody's there. It's a fun place to work. We have a great crew. But I say hi to everyone. I'm like, hey, everyone. Usually I say, hey, boys, because we only have one girl working on the show. We got to work on that. And, uh, and Tim never even turns around. Everyone's like, hey. And I look at Tim, and he's still staring at Tweet Deck. <laughs> he's just engrossed and. Tweet deck. Ooh, what did, I don't know, Bill Simmons retweet today from his rewatchables pod or whatever? See, when I overlook, is because Tim sits in the corner, as he should. Far in the corner. When I look over his way, it's like that area is pixelated. I can't even see over there because it's just like blocked out of my mind. So I, I see all the other people. I'm like, I don't even know what's over there. Wouldn't you just turn around and be like, hey, hey, 
That's all you have. It's no effort at all. Hip. It's a quick, quick wave. Hip. Hip. I'm Tim. Hip. Instead, he's just like, oh, I wonder what, I wonder what Kate Fagan's going to do now that she's leaving ESPN. <sighs> yeah, just read it. Kate Fagan seems like a nice person, but she said, I want to do other things other than sports. You're working for ESPN. Where did you think you were working? Hey, I know how you get on Tim's good side. Oh. Because he sends out an email every day with links that we're supposed to click on and and investigate. Oh, let's talk about this. He gets so mad because we never read them. (laughs) We don't. That's on us. That's on us. We should read them. Just respond to everyone. Tim, great ideas. This is really going to be a great day. Because last week... He had something in the links, and then you, like, hours later were like, you know what I want in the show? This. You just went mental. (laughs) No, you never read the links. That was in the links. Four hours ago, I put that in the links. Didn't that used to be a TSN show in the links? Uh, um, Skins and fins and skins? Was I don't want in the flats or fishing something? in the flats. Yeah. Fishing the oh, on the links I think is a a segment hosted by, by our good friend Pete Dalladay in Peterborough. I think I'm confusing things here. Oh boy, the voice. I've of, never I've uh, never the met the man. Pete's. Ah, you know the Dalladay's legends. Actually, um, Bob McKenzie was in Peterborough. He got some pictures with Dalladay's. He's everywhere I go with Dalladay's. And then five minutes later, after seeing this online, mm-hmm. I got a text from my sister. She's right there with Bob. Yeah. Because he was at the chapters in Peterborough. You should send the tweet out. Your sis in that pic looks so much like you. It's in, it's uncanny, actually. So uh, I thought it was you for a second with a wig. So he's pointing at my sister in this picture. They're all smiles, all guffawing. Mm-hmm. And she wrote, guess who got invited to the cottage? Yes, boom. That's what I thought. I thought it was you in a wig trying to, you know, arrange a way to get to the cottage. Like, hello, Bob. I'm... Darlene, Dan's sister, can you please invite me to the cottage? Because I said, did you have a chat with him? She said, yep, he told me to take the pick and say I'm invited. Ha. Ah, amazing. Do you think when you go to retire, and for anyone who's just listening for the first time, Bob McKenzie has what, by all accounts, is a incredible college. A college. <laughs> he should have a college, because Dan Patrick has one. I was interviewed by one of his students this week. He has a cottage in the Kawarthas that is apparently more spectacular than his own home. And other TSNers have been invited. Uh, I've sort of tentatively been invited, though it, the actual invites never really come to fruition. But wait, Dan, wait, 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 wait. Dan has specifically been asked to stay away, far away. And that's really tough for you because that's where you grew up. You grew up in the Kawarthas. You have to clarify, you can't be tentatively invited to something and not have an invite. Well... When we were, when we, it was announced that we were returning to TSN, mm-hmm. you may remember it was the Trade Deadline Day show. Mm-hmm. They call it Trade Center. And Bob broke the news that we were coming back. And when he broke the news, he said, because I'll always remember, remember this, he said, uh, you know, Jay and Dan, great to have him back. Jay's invited to the cottage. Uh, Dan, well, it's up in the air. Right. So, okay, I see. But, I see but then again, it's not like he's actually texted me like on a Tuesday and said, "Hey, doing anything this weekend? Why don't you bring the wife, the kid up to the cottage, bring some wine, we'll make some margaritas, 
look at the sunset. Have, haven't gotten that text from Bob. Oh, maybe he just need, uh, needs a reminder. Yeah, maybe I'll send him a public tweet. <laughs> and I'll get someone to clip that clip from the Trade Center broadcast and say, Bob, uh, I took this as an invite. When should I show up? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's off-season now, so he's, uh, he's closed up. Closed up I bet you it's a four-seasoner, though, because he's planning, right? Soft seems to nod, yes. Well, yeah, cottages aren't like they used to be. Well, cottages used are. to be a glorified tent. Well, you, that... you, they didn't have insulation. They had no heating. Now you can, most of them, I think. Well, new ones, I guess, yeah. are probably more four-season things. And then you can enjoy them all year round. Toolsy, I can't wait for you to build your cottage on the shores of Lake Scugog or somewhere up there. Lake Scugog, that's uh, right where uh, Kate's from. Kate Burness, has she invited you to her cottage? No, just uh, saw her in the makeup room. She told me her dad's in the Orono Fair, and I feel bad. Wait, because... is her dad from Orono? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't know. He's playing clarinet in it. I think he plays in a band that practices in the area or something. Oh, I see. Okay. Practices she told in the me area. he's going to be like the, the lead clarinet. And then I said, well, guess what? And I told her how I got invited to be Santa. And I feel bad because I crushed her news. Right. Her dad being in the parade. And I'm right. Like, so you tried to one-up her. But I didn't. I was just... You did. You I were had deliberately trying to ruin her story. <laughs> I, had a, I had a story directly related to her story. Seems like it was a bit of one-upsmanship <laughs> no, was going on there. Oh, no, no. Why are you always trying to, to stifle Kate's creativity? Uh, why are you doing that to Kate Burness, one of the most beloved anchors in the history of TSN? And I told her, she's flying to Edmonton. We're headed there this weekend. And I said, We'd, we'll see you in Edmonton. What are the odds we run into her? No chance. <laughs> well, you might. I might, yeah. Because you're going to stay on the Saturday. What happened? Well, you're okay over there? All right, I'm just pouring my tea. Because remember, I'm... You, you got me a nice tea. It was really nice. You got me a tea. But we have to pour it because we don't want to know. We don't want you to know where the tea's from into our beautiful Coors Light bat mugs. Until Coors Light gets into the tea industry, oh, we'll it, keep it under wraps. You think Coors will get into the, uh, the weed-infused drink industry? I think they're talking to some people, aren't they? The Auroras? and Everyone's talking because that's going to be the next big trend. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a stifle of burp there. <laughs> Where'd you eat tonight? Any restaurant reviews? McDonald's? Yesterday you came in uh, hauling some Wendy's in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I heated up some pork tenderloin at home. It was delicious. Oh, that's that's very that sounds very good. With some mashed potatoes, and then I still a little hunger on, so I had to get a Mister Sub. <laughs> <laughs> what did you <laughs> feed my mouth? <laughs> What did you have for dinner tonight, Dan? Well, I started with a luscious <laughs> pork tenderloin with some beautiful crispy potatoes on the side, and then I followed it with a cold-cut combo on whole wheat from Mr. Submarine, a submarine franchise here in Canada. They do a great job. <laughs> and while eating dinner, against the, uh, the suggestion of one of our writers, Brendo, um, I still watched SNL from the weekend, and he was correct. There was no point in watching. It's not re- redeemable at all. No, I I've, but I'm rooting for them. I always root for them. There are. I feel bad for the women on the show. They're fantastic. Uh, Kate McKinnon, Aidy Bryant. Aidy Bryant's really funny. Um, 
I don't know. The dudes aren't so good. Our guest has <laughs> just emerged uh, into. By the way, uh, this was the first the SNL studio. since the Ariana Grande Pete Davidson breakup, and they never referenced it. Thank God for the first time. Thank God. Uh, our guest has just walked into the studio, and he's going to come join us right over here. It is uh, TSN hockey analyst Craig. You don't Hunt. have to tiptoe. Come on. Oh over. yeah, yeah. It's you not can a just stroll right in. Craig's like in the middle of, of doing a, a Leaf broadcast. Oh, crap. Is this bad timing? Yeah, I think no, it's kind of no. not great, oh, is good. it? Yeah? Oh, you're going to okay. load up on an O'Henry. Yeah, you got an O'Henry? No, what happened with the O'Henry was, you know, I didn't read the correct combination of the <laughs> chocolate bar one. <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> it comes much. down, and I'm like, oh, no. What were you? Uh, so you wanted a Snickers instead, right? No. Oh, what? I wanted the uh, almond... Chocolate covered almonds. Oh. oh. Okay. Interesting. It was right next to it. And I, it was D3 <laughs> and I hit D2. <laughs> There's something about chocolate covered almonds that seem hel- like you could convince yourself that that was a healthy snack. Somehow. Well, that's, and that's what you're trying to do a lot yeah. of times when you're at the vending machine. Right. You're looking at it and you're kind of, what's the healthiest option here? <laughs> Speaking of healthy people, what do you think of this guy, Jeff O'Neill? What do I think of Jeff? Yeah. Authentic. Yes, agreed. What's with this face? What's he saying here? It looks like he's stifling a. You know what? I'll tell you what's going on. What we need on that thing is all the thought bubbles. Oh, God. Because there'd be many, many thought bubbles going on when that picture was taken. Wouldn't you like to just follow him around for the day? Or maybe not. (laughs) He would let you, I'm sure. (laughs) I don't know. It's not not like hiding anything. Sure, why not? People ask me all the time, what's Jeff like? I said, exactly as you see him. Yep. Like, yeah. mean, that's why I use the word authentic. I mean, yes. I've known Jeff a long time, and he is exactly what you see. You, you, there's, no, there's no facade there. There's no airs. Like when, you, when he played, did you? Because I always think of guys like Jeremy Roenick. When he played, everyone's like, of course he's going to be a broadcaster. He's just great with the reporters and stuff. But there's also like Jeremy. I really like Jeremy, but there's like kind of a, you know, there's a facade to Jeremy a little bit, like he's putting up a bit of a wall. Whereas Jeff, it's like, I wondered when he played, did you know that he was going to be a broadcaster? Like, did you know that he would be the kind of guy who just wouldn't pull punches? Uh, yeah, Jeff never pulled punches, and Jeff is really intelligent. I, I think that's the other thing about him is is that, you know, he can he can take information and he can distill it and yeah. he can think about it, and then he he, he he's obviously going to give you opinions. He loves giving opinions. I also think what's amazing about Jeff too, is is how self-deprecating he can be. Yeah. There. How self-deprecating he can be. You know he, you know when he talks, he he always well I, I should know what a lazy player looks like. I, I played like that sometimes. <laughs> you know he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't try to pretend he's something that he that he wasn't. A lot of a lot of people in any walk of life, they they want to try to gloss over what they were. I get it. You yeah. know it's uh it, it, it's what happens. Not Jeff. Yeah, it's what, true. Uh, what former players out there that retired and didn't get into broadcasting were you like, man, I wish he had? That's a really good question. Uh, I, mean, I, I know Brett Hall did it for a little while. Like, like Brett, to me, what, what I wish is is that he would have stayed with it longer. Yeah. Because he, he is so good and he's so smart and he's another one. This is what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, you, don't he, like it, you talk about a guy kind of in the Jeff mold, right, who... Great player, 
but also doesn't care what other people think of him. And what didn't Brad Hall have that famous line, I don't like hockey, I'm just good at it? Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he did. He also had a line about Ken Hitchcock. He, he didn't. Somebody had seen him and Ken talking prior to a game, and they were quite engaged. And they said, oh, geez, you and Ken are talking. He goes, yeah, we have really good talks, just as long as it's not about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you have such an amazing uh, story. Uh, I wanted to t- Can I talk about your mom being Punch and Black's secretary? Sure you can. How, now, how, how does this happen? That's uh, crazy. How, how does that happen? Well, I'm not really sure how it happened, but I mean, I would I would imagine that it was something, you know, with a, with a job application somewhere <laughs> along the line. That's what I'm guessing. I mean, like back in 19, when did she start? 1956, 1957. She was wow. 19, years old or 18 or 19. So that's when she, uh, that's, and so she, uh, she went in for an interview with, uh, I think the gentleman's name was Len, Leonard. And he was in the finance department. And, and I think she started in a different department. With the Leafs. Right. And then within days, they needed somebody over in the hockey. And so she went over there and the rest is history. And your entire upbringing was hockey, hockey, hockey. Yeah. And you know where my mom and dad met? You probably don't. At a hockey no. arena. In Peterborough. Really? No the way. Memorial Center? Yep. Oh, so yes. my dad was working with the Rochester Americans, which was Toronto's farm team at the time. And so training camp was in Peterborough. And so my mom and a bunch of her friends decided on a weekend they were going to go over to Peterborough. And that's where she met my dad. Punch and Black, when, when my mother told Punch and Black that she was going to marry my dad, Jack, he, he said, oh, come on, get serious. And she goes, no, no. He goes, listen, if you're marrying Jack, you can do it at Center Ice at Maple Leaf Gardens. And, uh, you know, it's kind of as a, as, yeah. a, as a rue, right? She said no, but I think she regrets it. She didn't get married at Sunrise. <laughs> oh, and they didn't do it. Amazing. Yeah, they didn't do it. That would have been pretty amazing. See, I didn't realize you were born in the States. Yeah. I didn't realize that you were, you're an American yeah. citizen. And, and are you an, uh, a I'm naturalized like, Canadian citizen? I'm like your daughter. Then? I was exactly going to say that. The day that. I was born, I had dual citizenship. That's right. Yeah, That's so right. That's pretty and, cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But that means you still have to pay taxes down there every year, right? I don't have to pay as long as I'm not earning U.S. Right. income. Right. I, right. but, but you have to file, yeah, and, and it's a royal pain in the butt. Exactly, that's to what prove I to that say. you, you made to... no money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the well, states, well, th- th- there's so many things that they, th- they want to try to make sure that nobody's hiding money that's rightfully theirs. And yeah. So you know that's just part and parcel of the uh, of the IRS. But but you mostly so far... grew up in Montreal, correct? Yeah. Well, yeah. my for my formative years, I would say, were in Montreal. Yeah. So. And so um, for you, you know what. Is that does that feel like home for yeah. you, Craig? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. My mom, my mother still has her house there, and my wife is from there, and you know, family is is there, friends. I mean, that's when you when you when you grow up in in in, in a community, and that's really when I say your formative years, you, coming into your teens, and then you go to school there, and that's all your friends. That's your friend group, and to me, Montreal is home. So, how many hot dogs did you have at the old forum? <laughs> You want to know something? Dan? Those were good. Hot oh, the, like you know the toasty, the like, you know, like the best, right? Yeah. Like I mean, so back to Jeff O'Neill. Jeff tells a great story. I'll, I'll tell it for him. He went in, <laughs> and uh, I think he was playing. He might he might have been a uh, a scratch, and he went into the forum, and he's he had a plate of hot dogs. And they told him, you can't take it into the press box area. So he put them in his pocket. <laughs> I think he said he had four. 
and it, it, I mean, they were good, and they, they're not big, right? And the and the lineup starts. There's a race right at the end of the period to go get the. And, you know, they're pretty. They good. used to have beer in the press box in oh, Montreal. Yeah. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. You used to go and sit in the press room after the uh, after the after the game. They'd serve beer, and you'd sit around and. People would talk and have a beer and you with know, Red Fisher yeah, from the Gazette. Yeah. yeah, well, he was he was the he was the man. Him and Jacques Beauchamp and all those guys. I remember one year, I'll never forget. I only went into the alumni room once. No, I was there twice, but the first time I went into the alumni room, Bob Gainey took me in. And I mean, Peter Brown. You're, again, you're growing up, and you're in awe of the, of the Montreal Canadiens. Sure. I was in awe. Like I mean, that was my team. I mean, you're growing up, and this and my my timing was good because. You know they uh, they were winning all those Stanley Cups okay. like I, yeah they were they were doing better than okay, but I remember going into the room and you know Bob he introduced me but Jean Beliveau and Henri Richard were sitting down wow and uh, like you're you're coming up and you're kind of like your your knees are a little bit knocking and shaking and I come in and so Bob says uh, I'd like you to uh, meet so Henri Richard and Jean Beliveau stand up right. And I'll never forget, Jean Beliveau goes, hi, I'm Jean Beliveau. And I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> like, I know exactly who you are. Like, but they were so gracious and they, they're so polite and, you know, welcoming, really what they were. I, I, I think it might have been a month later, I was sitting in the Montreal airport and I was having grabbing a bite before a flight and Henri Richard was there. And uh, I saw him. He says, "Oh, hi, Craig. How are you?" Like, and it was like, "Wow, you remember me?" Wow, like, <laughs> like, like, the, like those That's types amazing. of yeah, it is those types of those types of things. You, they remain with you for a long time. So when you were so you started with Dallas, is that Minnesota right? Minnesota North Stars with Minnesota, you, you and then the Minnesota went to North Dallas. Stars? Gosh, do I ever! In fact, I still call them that on the show because Dude. I love that name so much. So I, I got to tell you a quick story. I was at the Under-17 Hockey Challenge, which is the best, in this case, the best 2002-born players in the world. They, it's a great tournament. Uh, and last year in the NHL first round, 23 of the players drafted in the first round played in that tournament. Wow. So I was just there in St. John. Anyway, there's a kid playing for the U.S. His name is Blake Biondi. So I, 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 I met him, introduced myself, and we drafted his dad with the Minnesota North Stars. So we're wow. standing there. And I'm saying, like, I go, yeah, we drafted his dad with the uh, Minnesota North Stars. And so Blake knows, right? Other kids are like, Minnesota North Stars? <laughs> what <laughs> what the are hell they? Is that? Like, if you tell, I mean, these are kids born in 2002. They don't have any other memory but the wild, right? That's but, right. But like, you tell people that there was no <laughs> hockey in Minnesota for seven years? That was, uh, you know, that was a little bit of a gap in a hockey, in a hockey mad city. Yeah, it was, it was weird that, that they moved. And yeah. when you think about how great of a hockey market that is in the States... It's so strange that they had to wait. You know, they had to lose them and then wait to get another Yeah, were their crowds ever as bad as, say, Florida's now? We had, uh, I remember one night, Dan, we were playing Montreal, ironically. There was 4,000 people in the building. Wow. Wow. I didn't know it got that bad. And, and yeah, what had happened is, is that I think people just had, you know, had become tired of the Minnesota North Stars. So it's like, you know, I always compare it to like, it's like a burn in the forest. Like, you got to have that that burn before you can get fresh you know, yeah. the trees mm-hmm. and planted and everything. And I think that that's what needed to happen. There, there was just a lot, a lot of, you know, a lot of challenge. I shouldn't say challenges. That's not the right way to put it. But the people really had become, you know, there was apathy. They didn't, they didn't care. I, I, I joked that you could have, uh, you could have played the game naked. Like the players <laughs> could come out naked. I don't think it would have interested anybody. <laughs> um, 
Is Yuri Lettinen the most underrated? You you drafted Yuri Lettinen. Is he the most underrated player in the history of the National Hockey League? Uh, well, you know, there's a couple of them. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Claude Provo, who uh, won eight or nine Stanley Cups, about him being in the Hall of Fame. I, I can only tell you this about Yuri. Whenever anything needed to be fixed, you put Yuri on it. So, you know, like I'm done. I mean, like if 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 there was a, a toilet backup, Yeri could fix it. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? The, the, he, he was amazing. I, I'll tell you what, though. But when I say fix it, any problem on the team, just put Yeri with that player. Wow. Get him going, right? Mike Medano, I mean, who was great and played a lot with Yeri, he, he he would he would break out in hives and rashes when 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 Yeri would leave his side and then right. we'd put him somewhere else to go play with another player and then Mike was like, please, I need him back. Like it was like it was like an appendage to Mike. I, I find but Yeri was great. Like I find now, Dan and I talk about this all the time. There's something weird about Dallas. It's like where players go to disappear now. Like, Jason Spezza was on TSN, I don't know, a thousand, more than Jeff O'Neill, like a thousand times a week when he played with the Sens. And now you're, you're almost like, oh yeah, Jason Spezza plays for... It's a weird thing because it's a, they won, you won a cup there, right? Like, the, it's a, not a terrible hockey market. But for some reason, um, the Jamie Benz and the Sagans kind of slide under the radar a little bit there. Yeah, and I think that's a the team hasn't been very good for the last probably dozen years. When I say not very good, they just haven't challenged, and they went through right. a, a, a real down. And you know, you have these really good players, Sagan, Ben, and you know, Radulov is there now, Spetz's career. But when you don't have traction. Like in in the league yeah. like as a really viable team, I think you do get lost, and I think that that uh, it doesn't. I think that you look at where Tampa Bay was for a few years, even though yeah. they, they were able to draft Stamkos, they were kind of in the wilderness a little bit. For example, if Zuboff had oh. played for the Leafs, he's in the Hall of Fame now. He's not waiting. <laughs> he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he is. Do you know there's only two players in the history of the National Hockey League defensemen? That led their league and led their team in scoring in the year they won the Stanley Cup. Bobby Orr and Zuba, hmm. only two. Wow, Zuby was Zuby was unbelievable, and his heart rate I'm going to guess was probably about 32 beats a minute. <laughs> but he never ever like you never saw him ever panic. Like, yeah, Madano tells a story about the first time we had we had Sergey, and he came. He was moving up the middle of the ice, and he kind of goes, "You're breaking through the middle, and you're just kind of going like." Oh, yeah. Like, I just got to do this fake it that I'm breaking open, right? And, you know, the pass is never going to get there. He says, the puck goes right off his stick. And he's like, oh. Right. He, goes, <laughs> he goes, I never missed another pass from Zuby. Yeah. Because you didn't want to miss him. He, he, was a, he was a brilliant, brilliant player. Um, can we talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins for two seconds? Sure. I just want to get your take. Is this just a blip on their season right now, the way things are going or are we seeing the demise of the Pens? I can't see it with the, the amount of talent they still have on the Yeah, I don't think it's a demise like we've seen in L.A. and we've seen in, in Chicago, because Crosby and Malkin and Latang yeah. or, or Castle. Castle. The, they're, still, the, 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 they're still in a... In a yeah, we go. Oh, you can keep going. Yeah. Yeah. They're still an elite players. Yeah. And, and I think that... You know, they made a couple of changes in the off season, and you know, right now I think they're playing uh, self, what I would call self-inflicted wounds. So I, I think those can be corrected. And Mike Sullivan was not very happy uh, after last week's game against New Jersey, and you know, he pointed out what their problems were. And then on Saturday night, when they were really poor against uh, Ottawa, 
all those things, you know, came out. So I think that they can fix those. Obviously, Crosby's out of the lineup uh, with an injury, but I, I don't think it is a, a, a demise. And, 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 Jim Rutherford, and Jim Rutherford's trying to address some of the things, and I think that Jim has shown uh, uh, his record shows that he can he can make the difference in terms of adding players, and, you know, that, that that's what he has to do. And Matt Murray has to be a little bit better too, yeah. right? And he adds Pearson last week. Like, yeah. he adds players that you're like, oh, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Like, give that guy a change of scenery. Like, that makes sense. Well, yeah, you know what's interesting, Jay, is, is that, you know, for Jimmy and – you know, he, he won the cup in, in Carolina, then, you know, Carolina had their struggles. And then, you know, when he went and made the changes, you know, just about this time three years ago, the coaching change, the team was kind of mired in a little bit of a, not a little bit, a slump, much like they are now. But he went out and he, and he traded for Hagelin and he got Trevor Daly and he, they called up Brian Rust and Connor Sheary and they brought in Mike Sullivan. Yeah. So I think, and then, you know, they traded for Ron Hainsey and they traded for Justin Schultz. So I think Jimmy has done a real nice job of identifying not only what his team needs, but players that can fill those roles. And it's always nice, though, when you have Crosby and Malkin and Kessel. And yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, and you're just kind of adding around them. And he, but Jimmy has done a nice job. And uh, to, to your question, don't bet against them. Who's the most underrated team right now in the NHL? You know, it might be the Columbus Blue Jackets. Hmm. And, and and the reason I say that is, is because we've seen what Bobrovsky can do. Uh, they're... They got two really good defensemen in Wierenski and, and Jones. Panarin's an elite scorer. Pierre Luc Dubois is really going to another level, and they they have a they have a type of team that makes life hard on you. They can play a skill game. They can play a hard skating game. They forecheck well. And the last two years, they've lost uh, to the eventual Stanley Cup champion in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, they had Washington down two games to nothing last year, and in the game three, over like they had posts and whatnot. So. I just think that the way they're playing, some of the experiences they've gone through, the evolution of some of their younger players, that that's a team that I think is ready to take a step up and, and, and start to scratch on scratch on the doors of those top that, teams. That team East. hates torts, though, right? <laughs> but well, does any after, team, his, after his comments, <laughs> does any team love torts? <laughs> it's like saying... That team hates Ken Hitchcock. Like, like, it, it, right? It's a good point. Like, you know, I, I, I really believe, like, you know, we use the word hate, right? And, and you can like your coach and respect him. You can hate him and respect him. But you can like him and not respect him. And I don't think that John lacks respect from his players. And I think that's real key in terms of being a coach. And, you know, I, I really do believe, though, Dan, that, uh, that John has changed in, in some ways that, that where he's evolved. I think you know, the like Vancou- I really you think has, the has, Vancouver thing. I do. Yeah, I do, and I, I really admire him. I, I, when he won Coach of the Year a couple years ago, you know, I saw him at the uh, at the draft. It might have been at the awards, and I went up and I just said, "Hey, you know what? We can be critical when things are yeah. are, are going a certain way, and you may be deserving of it, whether you agree with it or not. But you deserve ma- massive credit. What you've done is significant, and you know, and just really, really congratulated him with uh, with with." with with what I felt was more than deserving, and I do think he's he, he's tried to evolve. I mean, I don't know if you heard his recent comment about the young kids in the game, and he said about there's, there's lots of youth in the game, and there's going to be mistakes. He goes, and I, I realize I can't correct every mistake. We we got to find a way to win, and we got to understand what the mistakes are. And so I think that John is 
Yeah, I was adapting. referring to when he said all the players are buddy buddy now. Oh no, right. I know, I know. Yeah, that's but they are buddy buddy. Yeah, yeah they what's are. What's wrong with that? I don't think there is anything <laughs> wrong, right? Like, no. I mean, I mean, but I also, but I also understand his point, like what he's saying. As a coach, it would kind of maybe get get you a little frustrated. Well, you know, if we go back to the seventies. When when you two young gentlemen weren't even born, but I'll go back to the seventies. <laughs> well, we were born, <laughs> yeah, in yeah, the seventies, yeah. But but they had the bench clearing brawls. Yeah. So did, the, did the game become any less uh, or more friendly after they got rid of the bench clearing brawls? There might be people that say, "Oh yeah, well, there's no bench clearing brawls. The players are so friendly now." They well, <laughs> how about that? You were tweeting about it, so was I, because I was watching, and I know you were that game, that first period between Calgary and Edmonton oh. Saturday night. It was unbelievable. That was like as intense as I've seen. Well, for certainly those two teams in a long, long. Yeah, time. I agree with it you. It was Jay. about time. And yeah, well, I hadn't seen, and and it was, it was, it was one of those games where there was no place to run, run no place yeah. to hide. I yeah. mean, it was one of those games where you know if you were going to play on the two hundred by eighty five. You you had to play and play hard, and it, yeah. it, it was a, it was a heck of a game. And and you know Edmonton had every reason to be disappointed losing that game, but yeah. David Riddick, I mean he stole it. And he was great. And so Edmonton, God, you must get so tired of answering these questions. What is going? They got they can't have Todd around anymore. Like I feel like Todd's run out of rope there, hasn't he? Okay, so and and it's it's fair to say that perhaps you know you want to make a coaching change. Joe Quenville just got let go, right? I mean, not right. with his record, and and you make a coaching change, but sometimes you need a new plan. You want a different plan. You want a new voice. But the Edmonton Oilers, in my view, you can change the coach, but their their problems are still the same. They do not have enough talent. Yeah, and actually, I should I should qualify that, Craig. It's it's Shirelli who should get fired. It's not <laughs> it's not Todd. Well, I mean, well, and, and even if you go back before Peter, and you, you know, you know, I'm not an advocate for firing anybody, but you have to find in the manager's role, you have to find solutions to the problems, mm-hmm. right? And either you find it, or they're going to find somebody else that can. That's 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 the that's that's the job. But I, I've said this many times that when they won the lottery. And got McDavid. It was a blessing. We know what the blessing is. You got the best player on the planet. But it was a curse. Because it put the spotlight right on the Edmonton Oilers. And the spotlight was, we don't have enough talent around this guy. Mm -hmm. They have McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. After that, their next forward would probably be a number nine. Yeah. So that means you don't have a four, five, six, seven, or eight forward. Mm-hmm. They don't have defensemen, according to their general manager, that can make passes. Yeah. They don't. <laughs> they have kind a goaltender that's uh, finding Struggling. it very difficult to get hits with yeah. the puck. Yeah. They, they, these all add up to six losses and in, in, in whatever seven games. So, and but they drafted terribly for 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 a decade. Yeah. And yeah, they. You did. know, and, but now they have this wonderful player, and everybody goes, "Oh, you're going to waste McDavid." Well, that's the, that's the curse. That's yeah. the curse of the Edmonton Oilers. So. I, I think they're, they can change the coach if they feel they need a different message until they get more skill and more talent in there. It's not going to change, in my view. How much longer do we have you for? Yeah, I know. We're, we're How keeping much longer you. do you want me for? Well, we, we, we'll keep you right to the end. <laughs> can, we, can we go um, kind of related to hockey, but unrelated? Down the road in Calgary, you know people there. After the, uh, the plebiscite uh, did not go through, so they said no to going for the 2026 Olympics. What is the mood there? Because you would know firsthand. Yeah, it, you know, I voted because yes. Because a lot of the people, yes, a lot of people voted yes. And if you just went by online alone, you're like, yes is going to win, no problem. But they did not. 
at all. Yeah, well, and it was quite the the opposite. I mean, it was 57, just under 57% to 43, so the no vote. So so my own view on it is, is, I mean, I I think the case for why the Olympics should be there, I mean, for the people that are in sport and been around the Olympics, I think people knew it. But I think that it wasn't laid out very well. I think there was uh, real delays in getting the information out and and for people to understand. They only had to build two venues. Yeah. Two and and the renovations that for, with existing venues now. So you know one of the concerns now is is with the existing venues, the money that goes into it. Where are you going to get it from now? Right. You know this was a chance to you know use and and we know about the legacy of Calgary. But that being said, so we can talk about the messaging and the delivery of the information and where the gaps were. But the other the other the other challenge for Calgary and and by extension Alberta is the economy has really had some challenges yeah. here in the yes, last number of years. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, uh, you know, where the business community, you know, is looking to, to try to get uh, a reason to invest in Alberta, it's not there right now from the provincial government because of everything that's gone on and, and where, the, where the pipeline discussion is. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that there was too many different, from the, from the business community to the council, because a lot of councillors didn't want the Olympics. I mean, this nearly didn't get to a plebiscite. That's right. right? It, by, by one vote. Yeah, it exactly. Yeah, so I, yeah. think there was a, I think there was some disconnect in a lot of different areas. Now, the interesting thing that, that I keep hearing, and I keep hearing it from people that, that, that I know have knowledge, that, that they're talking now about 2030 as being viable. Mm. Okay. So, you know, and I, I think what's happened with the IOC is they're running out of cities. Yeah. Yes. Of course they are. <laughs> and so they're looking at Calgary and they're going, well, wait a second here. You're still a viable city. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 2026 doesn't work, but does 2030 work? Right. Mm-hmm. So we'll and, see, and you make it such a great point, Craig. Like, if you've lived in Alberta, you know, no province in this country, the, it, the economy's so up and down. And when it's good, it's so good. So if it's 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and they're bidding, maybe this is completely different, right? Maybe it goes through no problem and everyone's feeling good. But right now, everything's in the skids in Alberta, right? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, when you're looking for revenues and, you're, and, and you know, people are feeling that the teachers and, you know, education needs more money. And so they're saying, well, where are we going to put our money? And I, I think that they're, they're separate and distinct in one, in one regard because where are you going to get that investment into your city yeah. mm-hmm. that allows you to and build up And trying to convince people, well, we're going to get it all back. We're right. going to see a, a massive return for 10, 15 years. Dan, you That's tough to sell. Yeah. Well, even longer than that if you look at it. And it yes. is tough to sell because people want to look at the short term, right? Yeah. And, so, and I can see why you vote no because you're like, why are we do? Why doesn't uh-huh. the OEC just co- IOC come here and build everything? Yeah. Yeah. Why do we have to put any money up? Yeah. So yeah. I can see I can see both sides. Yeah, I, I do too, Dan. And so do the Flames get a rank now because they said no to this? Yeah, this. I mean, well, this well, is... well, it's interesting because it's the same argument. It's the same. Like, exactly. It is exact yeah, same. Like, yeah. are we going to put Why money into into an arena? Like, I mean, you know, going across the the country and being in smaller communities where you see new facilities getting built, they're all multi-use, where where the greater community can benefit to the greatest extent swimming pools field houses hockey arenas you know everything that goes into a building if you want government money and so people are looking now they say oh you need a field house in calgary well it's great to say that you get a rink but how many people use the arena in in a population of what about 1.3 million Mm -hmm. people are saying well i don't go to the concerts i don't care if they don't get 20 concerts a year exactly i don't go to the hockey games why should i and that and that number far outweighs the people that do Mm-hmm. So there's a there's quite a quite a challenge for the Flames 
in terms of you know what this means. And I'm not saying it can't be done, but just keep there. Gary out of there because remember when Gary went in? But but that's what Gary. I mean, what Gary's been able to do is is go in, dude. But that's what Gary does. Yeah, that's what Gary does. He's a Hall of Famer now, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Hall of Famer. Um, do you keep in touch with Roman Turek? You know what? I haven't <laughs> talked to Roman in a couple of years. Where I was in Cheska Budovica. I'm trying to think what year it was. Three years ago, four years ago, and I connected with him. So. Amazing. He, 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 I'll tell you what. Roman was a wonderful guy. Uh, I got to tell you a funny story. So he's from Cheska Budovica, and that's where Budvar beer is is made. So Budweiser was never in Europe because Budvar had the rights, which is Budweiser in Czech. Ah, Budvar. Okay. So they now have now Budweiser can be sold anywhere. So we drafted Roman in 1990, and we signed him. I forget what year, but we were over there, and we went in, spent some time with him. We went over to the Budvar <laughs> brewery for lunch, and uh, I don't remember what I know. The beer was good, <laughs> and I think I was in bed about uh, six fifteen at night. <laughs> but it was a wonderful, wonderful time with Roman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and when you when you took a chance on him in Calgary, were, um, had you seen something in him during your time with the Stars and stuff that said? This is my guy. Like, this is it. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Jay. And, and, you know, we had drafted him in 1990. We had watched him grow. We had spent time with him. And then he was part of our Stanley Cup team in Dallas. So I, I, I knew Roman, like, I knew him as a knew him really well and yeah. and I think that you know when he came into Calgary he, he he really played well and if you go back and look at his record in Calgary it was pretty good after he signed the long-term contract I, you know the pressures of being able to play in Canada and you know what we're, it doesn't I, work for everyone it doesn't and Mark yeah. Bergeron pointed that out about Max Domi yeah. He thrives on. Yes, and some, right. Some players do, and some players don't. I'm yeah. not suggesting that he didn't, yeah. but you know, uh, you That's know, our team in Calgary's trying to trying to move forward. You know, you're in a you're in a pre-salary cap economic CBA where you know, and and the budget was tight. Yeah. So now you're expecting this guy to do every to be the. I don't want to say savior, but that's kind of what the expectation sure. was based on the contract, and and that weighs on somebody. And can somebody kind of move into that? Uh, area where you become more comfortable. Yes, you can, but you know I, I think that's not where everyone can. And, and then he got hurt, and Kiprasov came in, and Daryl made a really good trade to get Kiprasov. Yeah, and then we know what happened with Mika. Mika just just took it, out. ran it. Yeah. Was Aginla the best draft pick you ever uh, oversaw? Yeah, I, I don't think you can. I don't think yeah. you can argue that one. Yeah, I, I think when you when you saw him in Kamloops, were you just like, wow, this guy? No, actually, no. He no. was he wasn't a wild player, Jay. No, and it was during the lockout of ninety four, ninety five. So you know, it took us. We spent a lot of time watching Jerome, and you know, at, at the end, we were picking eleventh, and we were very comfortable with Jerome, and we thought he'd be a very good player. We thought he'd be a thirty goal scorer, a power winger, and tell you what. He was way better than we yeah. thought he'd be. We thought he'd be good. Like that's, you know, that's always good. Yeah, yeah, it is. But you know, I also think when he got invited to the Olympic team in two thousand and one, you know, with an injury, he got invited to that camp late, and they called him down. He thought people were punking him. Right. When he got the call. He he didn't yeah. think it was real. Yeah. But then he found out, and then he went there, and then he 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 went to the Olympics. Obviously, won the gold medal, scored fifty goals that year. I think when we talk about stages of a player's career, I think that really launched him to another level too. Because he's all of a sudden he's going, wait a sec, I am 
Yeah, I belong with these guys. guys. And he did. Yeah, yeah. Where's he spending retirement? Because he he's in left Boston, Boston, right? So he did yeah. stay in Boston. Yeah. Eh? Well, he went to Colorado, but he he loved his. He's he's got his oldest daughter's a really good hockey player, and his two boys are really good athletes. And him and Kara, his wife, really felt that Boston was a lovely place to to have kids and, mm-hmm. and really enjoyed the area and, and the sports. He wasn't traveling all over, you know, flying on weekends. So yeah. he, re- he really enjoyed it and felt that it was a really good place. He, he and said, he can be anonymous there. Well, not Because if he work. retired in Alberta, yeah. it's a different story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah then it's everywhere yeah, he goes. Everybody knows what he looks hey, like. Speaking of um, going back to Flames goalies, Mike Vernon, if you put two <laughs> of his pads together, you couldn't even make up one current goalie pad, Correct. Correct. Are you talking about the height of it or the width? All of it. Like, all of it. Seriously, if you put Mike Vernon's gear on a current goalie right now, how many goals would be scored in a game? Oh, there'd be 17. Like, first of all, the equipment, like the goalies wouldn't want to stand in front of the shots. Yeah, they yeah. must have had so many bruises, those oh, guys. They, well, they, you saw what the... Yes, I used to wear those. Oh, yeah. I had horsehair pads. That's yeah, unbelievable. So, anyway, Mike... Uh, but Mike was a Mike was a terrific goaltender. And, you know, the, the great debate about him and Andy Moog and Chris Osgood is, are they Hall of Fame players? And when I look at their numbers and look at what they all accomplished in terms of... With what they had, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think they're Hall of Fame players. I, I would really love do. to just do a podcast with Craig. Just players who aren't in the Hall of Fame and should they or should they not be Steve in. Steve Larmer. Oh, Hall of Famer. There you go. Yeah. No. I mean... Steve, for sure. I mean, like, Steve is amazing. <laughs> like, a, like, I think of Alfredson. Like, again, I don't mean to bring it back to the Leafs all the time, but I can't understand how Alfredson's not a first ballot guy and Sundin is a first ballot guy. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a fair question, but like, I'm not. I I want them both to be, yeah. in, but I just don't know why. Why one is well, a first ballot guy? Yeah, I, I hear you, and I, I think when you look, you try to distill the numbers, but but Matt's great player, yeah, no question. Yeah. But I in. think, but but so, I think Albertson's a Hall of Famer, right? Right. So me too. But does it have to? Brendan Shanahan didn't get on the first ballot. Fair enough. So yeah. you know, one of the things I say is is. You know, players want to get in on it. It's a, quite an honor, and I, I get it. But if you're a Hall of Famer, it doesn't matter when you get in. You're a Hall of Famer. That's so, fair. I, does somebody go, yeah, but you're a second ballot? Yeah. No, no one does <laughs> No one remembers. No, no yeah. one does that. That's like, a very you know, good point. So I just kind of, and depending on what the class is and where yeah. it's all at. So once you're in, and I really do, I think Daniel Alfredson is a Hall of Fame player. I so. think he gets in this year. I hope he does anyway. Uh, Craig, this has been awesome. We're going to let you go. We've okay. we got like 10 minutes. We're going to let you go finish watching this Buds game here. They're playing your uh, your underrated Columbus Blue Jackets. I, what I would say is is don't sleep on the Blue Jackets. Right? Yeah. Don't sleep on them. And well, I find this Bobrovsky thing perplexing, and not just because he's my favorite player, but because <laughs> what, it's almost like they're, you know, with uh, Corpusalo. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm sure you know, and I don't, I don't know if you can say. No, but. no, I don't. Uh, like, you know, one of the things that, like, you know, I mean, the, the, the stable of insiders with Bob McKenzie, Darren Drager, and Pierre Lebron, I mean, the second to none anywhere in sport, they're, they're great. And that's, they know what's going on. Yeah. I, you know, I watch and make my, you know, I, you talk to people, but not to the extent. So I don't know what's going on with, uh, with Sergei Bobrovsky, but I do know this. I do know that when you consider what a good goalie he is, and John Davidson has talked about it, he, they'd like to keep him. But yeah, they of also course. know if they can't, life will go on. But I guess like they've got Corpusalo. Um, it's almost like they're pushing him away or something. And like Bobrovsky's lines at, at the beginning of, of the season about, well, the, the team knows my plan. Uh, it's just baffling to me. Like I'd love to talk to um, 
Yarmo and just say like what what what's going on there? You want Yarmo's number? I'll yeah, give it to you. Yeah, yeah, I love can. that actually. I'll give you Yarmo's number and you can give him a ring and go, hey, this is uh, Jay. Uh, what's going on with Barack? What's going? On? And good job on drafting Pierre Luc Dubois yeah, because yeah. that was an, out of nowhere. The, 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 the subjects could be numerous. Oh, there. man, I, mean, I could have you know, a great Yarmo. conversation. I, I hope he doesn't answer you in Finnish because <laughs> I don't know how your Finnish is. How's Yarmo's <laughs> English? Is it Excellent. good? Excellent. Yeah. He went to Clarkson University. Okay. He graduated so, from Clarkson. Yeah, I guess he's yeah. a smart guy. Yeah, he yeah. is. His English is very good. <laughs> I mean, they joke about Finnish people. Like you, nobody, Nobody's ever learned Finnish language. You're either born into it, or nobody. It's so complicated, right. and no, so hard. Right, you, you can't. You can't like no, no, move no, no, to no, Helsinki yeah, and learn no, it. No, no, no. Nobody <laughs> goes and says, "I'm right. going to learn Finnish." Right. Right. Like, right. If you try to get one of those language courses, they don't teach Finnish. Right. <laughs> it's right. too hard. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, they, they grow up learning how to speak Swedish and English. Yeah. Because that's how they have to communicate right. with the rest of the right. world. Right. Right. If they decided that they were not going to learn those languages, <laughs> they would be isolated. <laughs> Well, listen, Craig, this has been <laughs> Craig, awesome. Really I, I could ha- hang out and just talk to you for hours and hours about this stuff. So hopefully we can get you back on again. Well, you can get me soon. on whenever you want. Yeah. Who are you it's taking in the Grey Cup? Calgary. Okay. Of course. Okay. Have to. Although I, I, I got to tell you, though, Trevor Harris looks amazing. Man. Yes. Like, like he really does. If there's and, and, you know, you look at the you look at the Red Blacks, they're playing really well. The Stampeders have found their game a little bit here in the last little while, but the Red Blacks look like they're really Do you have cool. a Grey Cup party? Yeah. yeah. You make some Grey Cup chili? Uh, we'll, we'll make chili, and you know what? We'll uh, we'll be going uh, to a friend's house, and there you go. There there we go. You. Oh Love yeah, it. for sure. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. So I got here's what I got, Dad. Here's my Saturday and Sunday. Okay, uh, tell me. Michigan, Ohio State. Yep. Yeah. So Tessa Benham and I have our standard bets. Oh yeah. You know of what? course. She still roots for the. Scarlet and gray. I get it. She's in the, the Sports Ohio Hall of Fame State. at the yeah. Ohio State. And I'm a Michigan guy, so like, yeah. you know, so I haven't won. I, I keep, and, I keep, I keep State... having to give her these bottles of wine, and uh, she never invites me to even have a glass. Good, with but this year, yeah, but this year, Craig, Ohio State is not favored for the first time in like decades. I know, but we talk about rivalries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the senior class has never lost to Michigan. You can just kind of throw them out. So that's yeah. my weekend. So okay. on Sunday, Michigan, Ohio State. And then I got the great cup. All right, go Coach Harbaugh. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Coach Harbaugh. He's crazy, but he's good. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, thank you, Craig. Thanks. This has been great. Thanks, buddy. This has been great. Okay, before you can we... can just wander out now. We got to... <laughs> Enjoy that O'Henry. I'm, I'm not going to eat it. Do you want it? No, I'm better. Do you want no, it? I'm okay. O'Henry? I've already had O'Henry? I've already had some Mr. Sub. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to eat this. So maybe if I leave it here, where does Landsberg sit in the morning? Oh, no question. Probably Land? right where Dan is. Right here. Yeah, right yeah. Leave him in That's perfect. Okay. And then if, if Landsberg doesn't do it, then Hayes will for sure do it. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Craig. Thanks, Craig. That was fun. What a guy. Nice. Uh, so much fun. That was a blast. I just wanted to uh, touch on a little uh, podcast news with uh, this Christoph had some fun. Oh, podcasts. I thought he had news about the podcast. Oh, like, no, no. no we never syndicated any. worldwide. <laughs> well, I guess we are kind of syndicated yeah. worldwide, if you think about it. We just download the podcast and you're in another country. Well, let me ask you this while, while uh, Stoff is getting that queued up. Who would be, at this moment, your dream podcast guest? And I mean, you could get anybody you wanted. I think you know the answer. I sent, Craig Button. And I we got him. I sent an email or a text about this a week or two ago. Eric Andre? No. <laughs> Bob Cole. Oh, yeah. Because this is his last year, supposedly. That, that seems attainable, somehow. Mention it, producer Tim. <laughs> you know, I don't even start. I don't even start. I'm like, never mind. 
I think, for me, my dream podcast guest would be our D.C. correspondent. Hi, Dan. (laughs) (sighs) Why? (laughs) How are you, buddy? Where, Where are you calling us from? I'm actually in the West Village in New York, in my apartment. I'm home. Okay. Uh, feels good to be uh, in uh, America, and everything's really good. Ben Teller is really on the good, line, guys. everybody. Ben Teller, uh, our buddy from Fox in L.A. He was our social media guy. Now he's traveling the world. And you spent some time in D.C., and you have a, an interesting story. You went on a date with someone who may be a spy. Okay, so let's we'll, we'll set the table. And, and Dan, I just want to start off by, you know, I really... I'm looking forward to your advice because this is a very sticky situation. Um, so about three months ago, when I first moved to New York, uh, I met a girl on a dating app. And we went on a date. I was pretty good. It wasn't, like, great. Uh, I took her to a nice Italian restaurant. We split a bottle of wine, appetizer, a couple meals. I thought it was okay. I wasn't, like, really into her. But I was like, you know, I could probably give it a second date. Uh, the next day... Um, she texted me and she's like, hey, just want to say thank you so much for dinner, um, but I don't feel a romantic connection to you. And then I was like, okay, like, I'm not really upset about it. I told her I appreciated her honesty. Uh, and I said, great. Um, and then I was just like, I could always use more Jewish friends in New York. Because I was like, she seemed decent and could use some more friends. Um, she's like, yeah, I would love that. So, like, haven't talked to her in like two and a half months. Uh I, she posts something on Instagram. I kind of like slide in her DMs, like some like emoji. And she like texts me right away. She's like, Ben, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I'm actually in Bangkok right now working. And she's like, what are you doing in Bangkok? Yada, yada, yada. She's like, well, I would love to hang out when you get back. And I was like, sure, like, whatever. Like, we can hang out. I don't respond. Two weeks later, she texts me. She's like, hey, are you back yet? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm actually still in Bangkok for another month. She's like, okay, let me know when you're back. So I get back. Uh, she follows up again. She's like, hey, are you free this week, this weekend? And I said, uh, no, I'm actually going to Virginia, but I'll be back uh, Friday night. We can hang out next weekend. And this was present time. I got back this Friday. I get a text from her like 9 p.m. at night on Friday. She's like, hey, are you back from Virginia? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I'm, I just got back. She's like, what are you doing tomorrow? Do you want to go to brunch? Uh, it's on me since you got the last one. And I'm like, okay, like, sure. So we go to brunch. We're sitting there talking, and this is where it gets interesting. She finally she worked for the government. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I had to set the stage. You know how it is, Dan. Uh, oh, you could have so, said it a lot quicker. Continue. Uh, so we're sitting down, talking about my job, her job. I knew she worked for, like, the government, whatever. And then she, like, gets into this thing where she's like, yeah, I just took, like, a test, and I passed. And I'm like, oh, congratulations. What was this test? She was like, oh, it was, like, an agility test, and... I had to, like, exercise, and side note, she says she runs five miles at lunch every day. She's kind of like an A-type personality, so I was like, okay, this is interesting. She goes, yeah, like, I've been going to Virginia every other month. And I'm like, government, I was like, do you go to Quantico? And she goes, yeah. I, she goes, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an FBI agent. And I said, oh, wow. And then I was like, can you tell me that? And she's like, yeah, I'm not in the CIA. So literally, she's like a cybersecurity who's now going to be an infield FBI agent. And she paid for the meal. 
and she's coming boxing with me tomorrow, and she invited me over for Thanksgiving at her parents' house in Westchester on Thursday. Whoa. So is this a friendship invite, or? I don't know. I mean, Dan, what do you think? Date the FBI agent. She's trying to have friends. She, like, what's your two cents? Yeah, Tulsi, what's your two cents? She already said she doesn't like you sexually. She wants to be friends. But I but like, it, she followed it, up like four times. Yeah, that I have to agree with Ben there. Why is she following up so much then? She doesn't know anyone else. Do <laughs> <laughs> so you think I'm her only friend in New York? Do you think that, Ben? <laughs> I hope not. I mean, I'm more like okay. So is this bad? I was less attracted to her until I found out she was an FBI agent, and now I'm very turned on. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with that. But she, whatever level of uh, intimacy she felt towards you, which was zero, now that she's gotten to know you, it's even less. So, <laughs> Well, I was going to go with the opposite. I think she judged me before she knew me, and now she actually like likes me for being a decent dude, and now I think my chances are better. Yeah, yeah that's possible. Maybe she sees marriage material there. But you just well, want to bang the FBI agent. Yeah, or I want to have like friends in high places for when I get in trouble. When are you going to get in trouble? Can she help us know. out with Dan's Olga issue? Can she track her down? <laughs> she might. You know, okay, so we, we talked about this. The number one way when you're trying to find two people who you're not sure, like, where they are or someone who's missing, and I've heard this before, and she uh, confirmed it, you look at their pornography search history. Ooh. How can they still do that? If you wait, continue wait. to clear it every how, day? How would several you, t- sometimes several times a day? How would you get this from someone? Well, in the FBI and the CIA, right, they have access. So whatever, if you don't hide your cookies on Google and you don't have an incognito window, pretty much you can just look what people are typing in. So if you oh go to, like, Pornhub and it's the same people in four different countries, you know it's the same dude. Oh, my God. Isn't that fascinating? And I'm f- Yeah, yeah, me, me so too. I'm f- it's bad. Oh, man. What, are you dating anyone else, Ben? What else is going on aside from... Uh, from- Quantico. Um, so, you know, it's interesting, right? There are a couple people that I'm talking to, but everyone is a little bit off. Like, I'm not really vibing with anybody. Um, what is interesting look, about I'm, any of that? You said uh, this is interesting. Nothing. Well, because, like, I'm going on dates and I'm meeting these girls, but, like, I don't... I'm, like, bored after, like, 45 minutes, and I'm, like, I don't, I just, like, don't want to do this anymore. Do you find it harder to date in New York than L.A.? No, I think it's much easier. Really? So many more people in such a closer proximity. Right, right. Everyone goes out at night for happy hour after work, or, like, you know, it's a very, like, communal space, so everyone's super close, so... L.A.'s so spread out, cars, everything, yeah. That makes sense. Hey, just wait, uh, this is interesting. Uh, We're out of time. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, wait, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no, no, wait. no, 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 we're definitely not out of time. There's oh. no way we're, I just had five hey, minutes. No, yeah, we're out of time. Wait, it's, wait, we can't. We've already okay. run over. What? We, we can't be done. Yeah, we're out of no, time. Oh, wait, no, wait. No, no. It's time for yeah. Would You yeah. Rather. Okay, this is, okay, so listen, I've done some, I've had a month. I've done so much deep thought. Dan, guess what? It's not Related to family. All right. All right. Okay. Finally. Okay. Okay. The second part. So what I'm using in this would you rather is a term that my 22-year-old cousin gave me. 
And I had this moment where she said this to me, and I said, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, I'm old. So she had to explain what it meant. So um, I had Kristoff uh, pull up the Urban Dictionary definition of pegging. Are we familiar with this? <laughs> Would you yeah. guys like to find out what pegging is? I think I know. I yeah. think I know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, can you, can you just read it for me for the user? Sure. Yeah, for yeah. the listeners, uh, pegging is anal sex reversed. Instead of the man sticking his penis up the woman's butt, the woman wears a strap on and sticks it up the man's butt. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Okay. Well, look, I didn't know what it was. Maybe I'm not cool. So the third part of this question is uh, I need you guys to tell me your childhood crushes. Mm. Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Okay, nice. That's a good one. Dan? Uh, got to be somebody. Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, who is it? Casey and Finnegan. Ju- Judy Dench. No, no, seriously. Tulsi, there's got to be someone. Oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. That's everybody. No? no? I didn't. Wasn't Mine was of... Britney Spears. Alyssa Milano. Sure, Britney Spears. Why not? But that was still... Okay, that was Britney like Spears. when I was okay. older. Yeah, that yeah. Was that's when I was older. Great. What about when you were like 13? Okay. I wasn't allowed to watch yeah, we... shows with women in them. Yeah. Okay, ready for it. Here it goes. Would you rather get pegged by your crush uh-huh. or never have sex ever again? Yeah, you what? Would, you would absolutely get pegged. Yes, a thousand percent. <laughs> that is the worst would you rather ever. Okay, okay. So that was an easy version. Okay, no, you're, I have okay, you two. asked your question. I have, I have a level two. Uh, one I have written down here is more inappropriate, but I thought Dan would get mad. It was, oh, this is would good. you rather get pegged by your crush in front of your parents or never have sex ever again? In front of your parents? Or, no, still in front of my parents. I'd, I'd be like, guys, you got to watch this because I got to get laid. I can't not have sex. So, Dan? Dan? I already answered one. Uh, That's thanks a yes. for coming on, Ben. That's 100% a yes. Let's talk sure. to you in 2020. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll let you know when I get my security clearance and I'll come to the border. Yeah, and hang out. Ben, ben we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk around the holiday, around all our holiday special when we talk to all our, our pals. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll come take a quick flight oh, up. It's only about an hour. It's only an hour. Ben, you're yeah, welcome maybe. anytime. Toolsy's yeah, got when tons are you guys of room. going on vacation. So, well, I'm about to have another kid, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so I probably, but then we're taking a week off around, around Christmas, so I don't know, we'll get back to you on that, but the bottom line is you're welcome anytime. Come up, work on the show, you could do some social media stuff, you and Toolsy could uh, head out on the town. I think this is, you know, I was looking for something to do around the holidays. I'm not going back to L.A. I would like to be oh, with some that's people my that care about me. So that's, Tim yeah. is calling me. <laughs> Answer. Okay, one speaking. sec, Ben. Let's, Hang on. Hold on. Hello? Is there someone over? For what? For what? For a nailer. Oh, we have a nailer? In- <laughs> it's now? Yes. Ooh. Okay. Are ben, we late? Ben, we gotta go. We gotta go do Dave Naylor. Oh. Okay, we gotta run. Thanks right. for listening, everybody. And um, bye, Ben. We gotta go do TV. Talk to you next week. They're going home.
This is the Jay and Dan Podcast, presented by our good friends at Coors Light.